Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Welcome to 10 American Presidents. In this episode, which is episode two of the journey through Ronald Reagan's pursuit of the presidency, we look at the years 1976 through to 1980. On today's show, we look at those pivotal moments, the political strategies and the influential figures that shaped Reagan's path to the Oval Office during these really important years, which is going to get Ronald Reagan to Pennsylvania Avenue with Professor Ewan Morgan. Now, unlike our usual format, each episode of the podcast will now be condensed to approximately 30 minutes, allowing for a shorter, hopefully more focused exploration of each president's political life and the broader political landscape of the time. We understand that this departure is somewhat different from our typical one and a half hour episodes, but I hope and I do believe that this condensed format will provide a more streamlined and engaging listener experience. Now on with the show. Fooled you, not quite on with the show. Just before I do hit start on today's episode, please, if you are loving this content, please go on to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating, and even better still would be a review. Not only does it give me a pat on the back, but it encourages new listeners to come on to the show because we've got those iTunes charts. So please give the podcast a review and a rating. Thank you. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Mr. Pop. <laughs> Seven years ago, when in the course of human events, and so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. There is not a black America, and a white America, and Latino America, and Asian America. There's the United States of America. 
never been a quitter. To leave office before my term is completed is abhorrent to every instinct in my body. Reagan stays loyal to Nixon throughout the Watergate crisis, even though political allies like the editor of the National Review, close associate of Reagan since he began reading the magazine and moving to the right in the 1950s, William F. Buckley tells Reagan, no, he'll drag us all down. He's got to resign. But Reagan stays loyal. Nixon, however, does resign in August 1974. But as president, I must put the interests of America first. Therefore, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. Vice President Ford will be sworn in as president. Now, this presents Reagan with a political problem. He'd anticipated running in 1976 as a Republican presidential candidate. But it's pretty obvious now that incumbent President Gerald Ford will seek a term in his own right. So Ronald Reagan faces the problem. Do I challenge a incumbent Republican president for the party's nomination? He decides that Gerald Ford is not a real conservative, that he's not an ideological conservative. He's really a moderate conservative who has been in Washington too long. He's been in the Congress for nearly a quarter century before becoming vice president. He's part of the problem, not the solution to it. Ronald Reagan does decide he will put his hat in the ring for the party's nomination in 1976. But before doing that, There is a gap between Reagan leaving the State House and running for the White House. And he fills it by going on radio to do short radio spots promoting his views. And these keep his name in the headlines, keep his name in the popular consciousness during the quasi-wilderness years of 1975 and early 1976. Mankind has survived all manner of evil diseases and plagues, but can it survive communism? I'll be right back. When a disease like communism hangs on as it has for a half a century or more, it's good now and then to be reminded of just how vicious it really is. Of course, those who have the disease use all kinds of misleading terms to describe its symptoms and its effects. Ronald Reagan, example, however, then truly throws his hat into the ring. I've called this press conference to announce that I am a candidate for the presidency and to ask for the support of all Americans who share my belief that our nation needs to embark on a new and constructive course. And begins the campaign against Gerald Ford in New Hampshire in 1976. It doesn't work according to plan. Ford wins early primary contests. Reagan's money is running out and he is urged by the party establishment to quit the race so that Ford can lead a united Republican party into the 1976 election. I'm going to campaign as hard as I can, going to try as hard as I can to win. Uh, You have proportional delegates here. I want all the delegates that I can get, but I don't believe that the fate is as crucial. In other words, a defeat for me would not have the same impact that a defeat would for him. Ronald Reagan does turn things around in the North Carolina primary, where he has the support of ultra-conservative 
Republican Senator Jesse Helms. I think this campaign ought to be decided on the issues, what each candidate is for, the differences between the candidates and so forth. And that's what Ronald Reagan is doing. And Ronald Reagan defeats Gerald Ford in the North Carolina primary, the first time an incumbent president has ever been defeated in a primary. The time, the time is now, my fellow Americans, to recapture our destiny, to take it into our own hands. Now that turns the situation around. Ronald Reagan begins to get more money into his campaign from conservative supporters who now see him as having a chance to win. He also benefits from the fact that George Wallace, the one-time segregationist governor of Alabama, was running for the Democratic nomination, but quits after a series of defeats at the hands of fellow Southerner Jimmy Carter. And Wallace's supporters begin to switch to voting in Republican primaries. And who do they vote for? Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan now begins to win states in the South. The campaign moves into the West, which is its strongest ground. Ford is still holding the line in the North. And the two candidates go to the Republican National Convention with neither of them having the requisite number of delegates to gain the nomination. Ford eventually does it through a series of backroom deals that he can cut as president to give help and patronage to different state delegations. Ronald Reagan also offends conservatives by a foolish candidate to nominate Richard Schweiker, a relatively liberal Republican senator from Philadelphia, as his running mate. Now, the Schweiker nomination is an attempt to sway the unpledged Pennsylvania delegation. And if they'd gone over, Ronald Reagan would have been the Republican candidate. But what it does, it, it, it doesn't sway other Pennsylvania Republicans to move into his column, and it offends a lot of his conservative supporters. So Ronald Reagan has now apparently shot himself in the foot Ford is the nominee. The state of New York, the great empire state, casts 20 votes for an outstanding American, Ronald Reagan, and 133 votes. And the next president of the United States, Gerald R. Ford. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. But in reality, Ford may hold the party's nomination, but Ronald Reagan still holds its heart. As Ford, in the final stages of the convention, comes to realize this, he calls on Ronald Reagan to come down to share the platform with him. One of Ronald Reagan's great moments, he gives this impromptu delivery. We are all a part of this great Republican family. I would be honored on your behalf to ask my good friend, Governor Reagan, to say a few words at this time. Mr. President, Mrs. Ford, may I just say some words? There are cynics who say that a party platform is something that no one bothers to read and it doesn't very often amount to much. Whether it is different this time than it has ever been before, I believe the Republican Party has a platform that is a banner of bold, unmistakable colors with no pale pastel shades. We have just heard a call to arms based on that platform and a call to us to really be successful in communicating and reveal to the American people the difference between this platform and the platform of the opposing party, which is nothing but a revamp and a reissue and a running of a late, late show of the thing that we've been hearing from them for the last 40 years. So Ronald Reagan departs from the Republican convention held in Kansas City with considerable support from the Republican Party. Ford goes down to a narrow defeat at the hands of Jimmy Carter. Now, would Ronald Reagan have beaten Carter in 1976 had he been the nominee? No one knows, but it's my belief that he wouldn't have. Carter was a fresh face. He couldn't be accused of being a big government Democrat. He was a Southerner. He was a very strongly religious Baptist. He would not have been the kind of easy target for Reagan in the way that, say, Pat Brown had been in California in 1966. Had Reagan run and been beaten by Carter, his political career would have been over. I believe it was a lucky break for Reagan not to get the nomination. He'd won the heart of the party, and the nomination was his for the asking in 1980, and he hadn't sullied his uh, record by defeat at the hands of Jimmy Carter. The Jimmy Carter presidency, of course, turns into a series of misfortunes and disasters. 
The American economy goes down the tubes. It suffers from stagflation. The uh, combination of stagnant growth, where unemployment is very high, and inflation is even higher. Inflation runs at 13%. The consumer price index is going up by 13% in the election uh, year of 1980. Secondly, Carter has pinned his uh, foreign policy to the mast of uh, detente and uh, the Soviet Union effectively terminates detente through its invasion of Afghanistan in December 1979. Now this is the first time the Soviets have taken military action outside Eastern Europe. Is it an offensive strategy or is it an offensive strategy to protect their southern flanks from the expansion of Islamic militancy. And that leads to the third problem for Carter. In late 1979, Iranian militants stormed the American embassy. The United States, in the person of Jimmy Carter, has been a very strong supporter of the Shah of Iran. The Shah of Iran is overthrown. Now, this is the beginning of a 444-day nightmare for Americans. The hostages are a permanent reminder that a nation of relatively little power can hold them to ransom. Jimmy Carter cannot get them out. He attempts a military rescue that ends disastrously in the desert. It's an out-and-out disaster for Carter. In the 1980 campaign, Ronald Reagan was expected to sweep to easy victory. But his confidence was misplaced, and that of his aides, because he loses the Iowa caucuses to George H.W. Bush. The impossible dream... The asterisk on all these polls just four months ago. Bush, 110. Reagan, 38. So George Bush is clearly the favorite here among these Republicans. Now, Ronald Reagan goes into the first primary of the campaign in New Hampshire. Now, not as the front runner, but as someone who is in desperate need of a victory because he knows that another defeat and he'll lose all momentum and he will also lose the donations which will begin to switch into Bush's candidacy. And Ronald Reagan really campaigns very, very hard in New Hampshire. But there's an episode in the campaign which crystallizes into one of his great political moments. He and Bush are scheduled to debate in Nashua, New Hampshire. But the other Republican candidates, who are really also Rands, insist that they be given equal right to participate in the debate as well. Now, Ronald Reagan agrees. He said, yep, come with me and we'll go into the hall and we'll all sit on that platform together and talk it through. But George Bush does not want the rules of the debate change. He wants just to debate Ronald Reagan. And the debate moderator decides that Bush is absolutely right and he switches off the microphone. Would the sound man please turn Mr. Reagan's mic off? Is this on? Mr. Green, you turn on my You asked for me if you would... I am paying for this microphone, Mr. Speaker. 
and it sort of epitomized Ronald Reagan's strength of personality and character. It appealed to voters. He had actually swung round. He was actually forging ahead in the polls even before this. But that becomes a really huge boost to his momentum. And he wins easily in New Hampshire. Bush has very limited prospects from now on. He does manage to win the Pennsylvania primary where he famously accuses Ronald Reagan of voodoo economics in his belief that you can cut taxes and balance the budget too. But that still doesn't stop Reagan's momentum. And Bush and the others eventually have to drop out. And Reagan is a crown Republican nominee in the convention in Detroit in the summer. Ronald Reagan is still worried that he is seen by too many voters as extreme. So he and his advisors come up with an idea. Why don't we offer the Republican vice presidential nomination to good old Gerald Ford, the epitome of Republican moderation, with Ford on the ticket, will sweep it. Negotiations begin with Ford, but Ford obviously wants to be not vice president, but assistant president. And Henry Kissinger, Richard Nixon's national security advisor and secretary of state, effectively says, look, Ford will do the job, will accept the nomination if you let him run foreign policy. You can run domestic policy. But Reagan isn't having this. He knows that Ford is a detente man. So the dream ticket goes out the window. So that leaves Ronald Reagan with a need to balance a ticket. Somebody from a conservative, but not too conservative. Somebody from the South. Hey, it's George H.W. Bush. George H.W. Bush is delighted to accept the nomination from the man he has so recently scorned. And he tells AIDS that he's going to do the job. And he says... I'm going to back Reagan to the hilt. And the words he chooses to use are those of a former oil man. We're now a wholly owned subsidiary, and we're going to behave like one. So even when Reagan becomes the Republican nominee, it's remarkable how the polls are very balanced. Uh, even Jimmy Carter's poor record withstands Reagan initially because of concern about Reagan's extremism. This is the Democrats' best hope. Are we going to elect an extremist, an extremist conservative, to the White House at this dangerous moment in our nation's history? Ronald Reagan encourages such uh, attacks through a very ill-judged set of remarks he makes at the Neshama County Fair in Mississippi just before the campaign gets going. I believe there are programs, programs like education, that should be turned then to the states and the local communities with the tax sources to fund them and let the people I believe in states' rights, and I believe that we've distorted the balance of our government today by giving powers that were never intended by the Constitution to that federal establishment. Now, had he said that in New York, people wouldn't have bothered about it. But saying it in Mississippi, 
is a coded way of saying we don't want the federal government intervening to promote black civil rights. And Nesheba is just a few miles away from where three civil rights workers were murdered by racists in the Freedom Summer of 1964. Many people in the liberal media, like the Washington Post asked, is Reagan trying to turn the clock back to 1964? It reinforces the fears among many Democrats, and of course, particularly African-Americans who are a bedrock constituency for the party, that he is an out-and-out racist, and nothing Reagan can do can offset that image. So it goes all the way down to the wire. But two things happen that eventually swing it Ronald Reagan's way. Jimmy Carter has been desperate to get Ronald Reagan into a presidential debate because he believes that he will wipe the floor with this ignorant one-time actor. Here we go, the classic underestimation of Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan's team eventually agree late in the campaign that there shall be one presidential debate. Why late in the campaign? Because they believe that uh, if Reagan commits a gaffe, it won't really hurt him. It'll be too late to hurt him. Why only one? Well, no need to press our luck too much. Let's uh, hope that he survives the debate and does okay. Ronald Reagan does more than okay. He comes across as very reasonable. This is a guy who's a practiced public spokesman. He handles the questions. Jimmy Carter tries to act like a scold, sort of trying to get Reagan to lose his cool. Governor Reagan began his political career campaigning around this nation against Medicare. Now we have an opportunity to move toward national health insurance with an emphasis on the prevention of disease, an emphasis on outpatient care, not inpatient care, an emphasis on hospital cost containment to hold down the cost of hospital care for those who are ill an emphasis on catastrophic health insurance, so that if a family is threatened with being wiped out economically because of, very, of a very high medical bill, then the insurance would help pay for it. Governor Reagan, again, typically is against such a proposal. Governor, there you go again. When I opposed Medicare, there was another piece of legislation meeting the same problem before the Congress. I happened to favor the other piece of legislation and thought that it would be better for the senior citizens and provide better care than the one that was finally passed. I was not opposing the principle of providing care for them. I was opposing one piece of legislation as versus another. But the killer punch is that Ronald Reagan gets to make the last statement. Uh, the Carter team wanted to make him to make the opening statement in the debate in the hope that he'd foul it up. But he gets to make the last statement. And in that, he poses a question asked in the 1936 campaign by his idol, Franklin D. Roosevelt. Aping FDR, Ronald Reagan says, Next Tuesday is election day. We'll stand there in the polling place and make a decision. I think when you make that decision, it might be well if you would ask yourself, are you better off than you were four years ago? Is it easier for you to go and buy things in the stores than it was four years ago? Is there more or less unemployment in the country than there was four years ago? Is America as respected throughout the world as it was? Do you feel that our security is as safe, that we're as strong as we were four years ago? 
And if you answer all of those questions, yes, why then I think your choice is very obvious as to who you'll vote for. If you don't agree, if you don't think that this course that we've been on for the last four years is what you would like to see us follow for the next four, then I could suggest another choice that you have. This country doesn't have to be in the shape that it is in. Ronald Reagan had proved himself moderate. He didn't come across as extreme, and he came across as knowing the issues. But there was one last twist in the story. What everybody in the Republican camp feared was that Jimmy Carter would somehow or other cut the last-minute deal to get the hostages back. And on the Sunday before the election, it appeared as if the Iranians were willing to play ball, and Jimmy Carter unwisely put out a public message that there might be a possibility of a breakthrough. There wasn't. And the hopes of the American people had been aroused. They were let down again. And in the last few days of the campaign, Reagan opened up a 10-point lead over Carter. Reagan won the election by a landslide, the first time an incumbent president had been defeated since Herbert Hoover in 1932. Ronald Reagan actually only wins 50.6% of the popular vote, but his position is weakened in that regard by the fact that uh, moderate Republican John Anderson has run as a third-party candidate and drawn votes away from him by taking 6.6% of the total. Jimmy Carter wins something like 44% of the uh, popular vote. It's a humiliating showing for a Democratic president. He only wins one southern state. Reagan sweeps the others. Jimmy Carter only wins his home state of Georgia. Ronald Reagan is about to make his acceptance speech. Presumably he's at the Century Plaza Hotel in Los Angeles. Here is Ronald Reagan coming out at the Century Plaza. He was congratulated by President Carter about 10 minutes to 7 California time. Back now to NBC News. This is, you know, let me just say first of all, well, there's never been a more humbling moment in my life. I would have been not only humbled by the extent of what has happened tonight, I consider the trust that you have placed in me sacred, and I give you my sacred oath that I will do my utmost to justify your faith. In 1980, Ronald Reagan advanced the work that had really been begun by Richard Nixon to build a new Republican national coalition of voters that would ensure the party a long-standing majority. And the coalition of voters that Ronald Reagan put together in 1980 were those of the three S's, the South, the Southwest, and the suburbs. And it goes to say it was also a white party. In 1960, Richard Nixon, as a Republican presidential candidate, had won 30% of the African-American vote. In 1980, as a Republican candidate, Ronald Reagan won 8%. So it's a new Republican party that's emerging. It's a fundamentally white party. It's a party that is located in new parts of the country, different from the old Democratic New Deal coalition, which was centered in the Northeast and Midwest, 
with largely an inner city and working class party and was a biracial party in terms of the support given to it by northern blacks. Now, what we have now is the emergence of this new Republican Party and its apparent uh, potential is shown not only in Ronald Reagan's election victory, but the fact that his coattails carry the Republicans into control of the Senate for the first time since 1954. The Republicans take 12 Senate seats away from the Democrats. They can't break the Democratic stranglehold on the House of Representatives, but they do cut its lead dramatically by capturing 33 seats from the Democrats.